you have the ability, if you would, make your way back to your seats, our general area. And so, um, we've been we've been praying this scripture. Um, uh, what if I have my marks correct here? It would be 39 weeks. Uh, we've been praying this scripture, and uh, as we've been going through, and so after this, we'll have three more weeks. Uh, and then, which we will, then every person will come up and then recite it <laughs> in front of everyone. Just turn it off. Um, if you do it, Silver Star. If you don't, then we'll, obviously we'll judge you. And so, um, and so let's uh, let's pray this uh, together again uh, as we come to you know towards the end of this series. Uh, is this? I want to know Christ and experience mighty power, the raising of the dead, and I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And since we're, you know, coming to the end, um, I want to let's do something a little bit different. Let's just let's pause, right? And uh, maybe. You would close your eyes with me, um, and let's let's contemplate that for a moment. To know Jesus, to experience death, to experience then the power of resurrection, to be raised in Christ. So I've experienced, I've never experienced again, like I've said, it's been a series this long, and I'm, we're, we're coming to the end of this series. I almost feel a, I don't know, a sadness. Like, I've learned so much through this series. And, but I feel also, too, that, that God is doing things in my life and doing things in your life, and, and we're becoming more like Jesus. Um, that we have a place where we can be thankful from that's not just a place of like, ah, oh, that's great. It's like, Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Like, you are actually for real the Lord of lords. And you reign and you rule, and in everyday life, even in the midst of storms and uncertainties, that you are actually on the throne. And so, as we take these verses today, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, just a few short verses. Uh, remember, we're coming from uh, the beginning where uh, Mary and uh, Peter and John have the foot race, and then, but Mary's there, and, and uh, Jesus appears to Mary and says, hey, remember what I told you? Right? This is for real. 
And then what we have is this, that the uh, disciples are frightened. Okay, they're scared. And, um, and it says this here. It says that Sunday evening, that would be the evening of Easter, right? When Jesus first appeared and uh, was resurrected. And he says, uh, the Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Somebody asked me, did he just appear? Um, yes. I'm going to go yes. All right? And uh, this is not weird. How is that possible? Well, Jesus resurrected from the dead. If he wants to appear in a room... I think you can do that, all right? And so, stand there, and he says this, Peace be with you, he said. And he spoke, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds on his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, Peace be with you. They must have really needed peace, all right? And as the Father has sent me, uh, I am sending you. So then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so we see this uh, fulfillment of John 14, 18. John 14, 18 says this, uh, No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And here is Jesus in um, chapter 20, verse 19. He keeps his word. He shows up. And he says, you know, peace be with you. And so the first takeaway this morning is that peace is a kingdom gift. Peace is a kingdom gift. It is a greeting of shalom that he needs to win. Shalom is this gift that is only found in through the kingdom of God. And it's this. It's an eternal peace that is also transformation. When we talk about peace, we're not talking about peace, man. We're talking about an entirety, your entire being, being at peace. Your mind, your body, your soul are at peace. It's all-encompassing. And so Jesus greets them with this kingdom peace. And why does he greet them with kingdom peace? He's real practical. Not because, oh, you know, everybody's peace. No, they were terrified. And this wasn't an irrational fear that they were having. This was a real concern. They were concerned that they could be the next ones that were going to be uh, taken, the next ones that were going to be executed, the next ones, because what were they wanting to do? They were wanting to sniff this thing out, snuff it out, right? Sniff out and snuff it out. Right? And so, he comes to them, and he greets them with peace. And, and this is a kingdom gift, and here's what I want to say to everyone in the room. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, the Holy, that means that the Holy Spirit is within you. How do I know that, Andy? Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you said, I surrender my life to you, then you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And that's the, that's the way it is. And so we have this offering of uh, what we call, uh, what I call, a, a non-anxious presence. Now, can I tell you that, how many of you guys are always a non-anxious presence when you walk into a room? How many of you would desire to be a non-anxious presence when you walk into a room? Yeah. It's like our desire, but then like, when stuff happens, we're like, Ugh. I'm going to give you an example from my own life. I know. I get it. It's hard to believe that a pastor would not be walking in the shalom all the time. Right? Um, uh, this week, we had so many things happen. It was wild. Jen got sick. Monday is my big day for pushing through grad work, right? graduate school work. And so Monday uh, was not a big day for me to push through graduate school work. Right? It was me running kids to hair appointments, and which is great. Right? I also got my hair done. And so, um, and so running that, we could start off a little bit. I had a surprise dental appointment. It wasn't a surprise. Jen had put it on the calendar months ago. It surprised me when I looked at it. And then so I had that, and that ended up after that. That was then followed immediately by Jim calling me, hey, I'm at Sam's getting gas. The van won't start. No worries, honey. Thank God you're at Sam's because they have batteries there. And so I'm going to run down there, and I'm going to change the battery, and uh, yeah, we'll be good. The battery's for sure dead. I didn't notice. It was actually on my list for that day of things to do because I didn't notice. The, the van was trying to slow start a little bit. So the battery was going bad. Well, when the cool weather came, I thought, hey, there it is. Wow. Thank God you're at Sam's. So I put the new battery in. I came out and even did it for me. Go to crank it and it click. Oh, yeah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord of my soul. And I rejoice in this. I rejoice in this. Maybe we need to check the connections. Yeah, let's do that. Wishful thinking. We go click. And I'm like, oh, click, click, maybe you'll catch. Also wishful thinking. This car wasn't built in the 1960s, all right? It either works or it doesn't work. So I make a call to, um, to one of my favorite calls, a towing company. <laughs> Love it. So I call them, and they come in there, and they tow the van. And uh, see you later. And, and you know, bless, bless the Lord there. Because towing's cheap. It's just cheap to tow your car. If you guys ever just want to spend a lot of money, just have your tar car towed somewhere. And uh, yeah. And so I go in, and so that takes what was going to be an hour and a half dental appointment becomes a five-hour or four-hour ordeal. I even called Jake Dempsey and I had lunch every Wednesday. I said, Jake, dude, I'm going to go down there change this battery. We can still catch lunch. It'll be a little bit later, but we'll still catch lunch. Dude, there ain't no way we're going to lunch. Okay? I'm still at Sam's. He's like, no worries. And so that got thrown, and then the kids, of course, had a cross-country meet. I felt like I should be a good dad and go to that, which was great. 
was just talking. And by the way, shout out to my kids. They all made uh, they all made it to regionals. Cool. Right? And so yeah, it was awesome. And so I'll give you their times. Fine. <laughs> Lily ran a twenty two forty eight. Drew ran a nineteen fifty seven. 18. 18. 18, sorry, of 1857, <laughs> uh, which I thought was neat because that was the same year that my dad was born. start doing it every day, and I think it'd be pretty cool if we kind of 
through that together. And I thought it was one thing too that we could have a we could do as as, as common, right? If we're all doing this, it'd be pretty cool to be able to reflect with each other, maybe, right? Andy. Yes. Can you spell that? I can't understand what you're saying. Oh sure, lec, t o. I'm just kidding. L e c. TIO, I yeah, think. Yeah, no. Thank yeah. you. Like 365. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that would be pretty cool. So, here I am in the car. I'm like, oh my God, I'm all my emotions are all over the place. And then here, you know, here's this guy's voice. And he's saying, hey, just, I encourage you to, 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 you know, turn your emotions on Jesus, not center, not center yourself. Center your emotions and all that you are on Christ. And so it was just good. And so the kingdom, we have this gift. And we have this gift to offer people. This non-anxious presence, we have to offer people. In the midst of things that are going on in our lives, we have this. Now, does it mean that you just walk around and you're just peaceful all the time? No, it's like I can go to Steve and say, dude, I am like on edge. And Steve can say, let's pray right now. And then Steve's not just going to pray for me right there. He's going to continue to pray for me. And I'm going to do the same for him. Right? And so this is what this thing is about. Kingdom, peace. And then the second takeaway is this. Wounds are redeemed. Wounds are redeemed. In John 16, 20-22, it says this. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. I, it will be like a woman suffering from pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will give, I will, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Amen. Jesus' wounds, the pain that he experienced, they were redeemed in resurrection. When he walks into this room, appears in this room, he shows them the wounds. Now, our expectation, if we wrote the story, I don't know about you, Harlan, you wrote the story. Wouldn't Jesus' wounds be like, he'd be like gone, right? This new body's here, it's fresh and new. Jesus is like, what's up, hey? <laughs> Peace be with. Gone, baby. They're there. They're there. What does that mean? Well, it means this, that what goes on in our, our lives is there but redeemed in eternity. Isn't That's amazing. God takes horrible things and redeems them. And here's what I want to say is, is this, as, as we go through this Philippian passage, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Here's what I want to say, and Josh said it to me. He kind of clued to it earlier is this. It's not for some time out in the future when we get to heaven. It begins now. Amen. The redemption process is for now. And it begins now. And, and so wounds are redeemed, the things that you've experienced. I want to say this, the pain that you've experienced in your life is real. And Jesus can really redeem it. And so if anybody ever tells you, like, oh, you shouldn't feel that way, you shouldn't feel that pain, I just want to say that that's not true, that that, that stuff really happened, 
And if there's pain there, God will deal with that and he will redeem that. Mm -hmm. And he will even use that in your life and in your walk with Christ. And so you can say into a room, look at this wound and look how Jesus healed it. Right? Takeaway number three, the breath of God empowers. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord formed the man from dust of the ground. He breathed the life, uh, the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living person. In John 7, 37 through 39, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of life, uh, of living water flow from uh, his heart. And when he said this living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. The Spirit had not come, or not been given, because Jesus had not yet entered the glory. Uh, and so Jesus' final task here is commissioning his disciples. He breathes on them. Isn't that funny that we look back, and that's how God formed man, was to breathe into him. Right? Numa. This breath of life, this, this, this uh, significant thing, and I would love for us not to get the idea of maybe a televangelist breathing on you, okay? I would rather get this idea that Jesus is literally just breathing on them and saying, receive the life of the Holy Spirit in you, that you might live to your fullness. I mean, they're going to, now think about this little turn of events that happens in a short matter of time. They went from extremely afraid to being offered peace to being given the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about in these verses. Jesus is transforming lives right here in these verses. He meets them in fear. He greets them with peace. And then he says, here's the Holy Spirit. Go out and do the work. Go from afraid to empowered. And I don't know, let's say he was there for 15 minutes. I don't know how long he was there. They're going out. John 14.23 says this, uh, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home in each of them. That's such a beautiful thing. And, and then fourthly, what I want to talk about, which is this verse is uh, interesting. I looked in the commentary, and I was looking you know, for some insight here. The commentary had zero to say about it. It says, receive the Holy Spirit. That one's, you know, they're receiving the Holy Spirit. It says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So I was like, I don't want to really pick that apart. I really want to. And then I looked in the commentary and just like circumvented. It was like, okay, next. I'm like, thanks. Jerk. Okay. And so, but I forgave them. And so here's the deal. Forgiveness is a kingdom responsibility. I want to bring up Josh um, Britt for this one. Our fourth and final takeaway. <coughs> this is why we have these up here. You guys might have been wondering, like, what were the chairs and the cross for? What are you doing? <coughs> this is Josh, guys, gals. We're going to sit down and have a conversation. So it was Josh and I. This was not planned until earlier uh, this morning, actually. And so <laughs> forgiveness is a kingdom responsibility. I mean, just to be transparent. 
And so um, we got it. <laughs> Thanks, Gramps. Okay, so I'm just kidding. So expecting <laughs> us. Please forgive me. Yeah. yeah. So we started talking about uh, forgiveness, and I just want to give you some background on this. Josh and I have known each other since we were 19-ish years old. Um, been really good friends, and, and uh, meet every Friday to talk about, I mean, literally A to Z. We oftentimes comment that I wonder if people think we're crazy sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, okay, and thank you, I appreciate that, Lee. We do. Oh. And so, um, but as we talk about forgiveness this morning, right up here, um, I want us to think about what Jesus said there, and because it's kind of, it's a strange thing uh, for him to say, but, but I want to say this, through the, the Christ life, we uh, find an ability to sit with others and then to affirm their forgiveness. Okay? Now what I want to say is this, you know, in, in James 5.16 it says, go to one another and confess your sins. You know, and you could be made whole. Um, in, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 it talks about, you know, we're a royal priesthood. I mean, you once didn't have a name but now you have a name. And this idea of forgiveness, I'd like to just say this, that, that no, I don't want you to leave me here with the idea that you're going to start going around forgiving people in your name, okay? That is uh, wrong, all right? So, John, introduce that idea that you have used several times about forgiveness. Uh, sure. So, yeah, he's right. We didn't, like, figure this out until this morning, so literally unscripted. Um, but we were talking about it and it reminded me of uh, an, an illustration that I use in class a lot. So I teach, uh, when I was at USF, I taught the medieval West and in order to get students to understand medieval Europe, they have to understand Christianity. Right? Because that's just Christendom's kingdom of Christianity in the Middle Ages. And uh, so I have to go back and tell the story of Jesus and why it's important to people living in uh, and it's funny because, well, it's not funny, it's alarming, but very few college students um, are biblically literate, right? I mean, even things that we think of as simple as like the Eucharist or uh, the, the, the crucifixion and, and why it's important uh, to Christianity, students just don't know that. And so I usually start out with why Jesus was seen as really weird to the people around, to the, to the authorities and um, uh, to the Jewish authorities, uh, religious leaders, and here's the here's the thing. So if like Harley, Harley, raise your hand. That's that's Harley. If you all of a sudden just like got up, turned around, and punched Jessica, raise your hand, Jessica, in the face. Uh, right, right. Punch Jessica, and then sits down. That would be we'd all be shocked, right? That'd be freaky. Uh, but then all of a sudden, Lindsay, behind us, raise your hand. She leans over and she goes, "Don't worry, Harley." I forgive you, <laughs> right? That'd be really weird. Why is that weird? Anybody want to just venture a guess? Yeah, she doesn't have the authority to forgive Harley because she's not the victim, right? But that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He 
go around and he'd tell, he'd tell the prostitute, don't worry, I forgive you. He'd tell Zacchaeus, uh, don't worry, I forgive you. Right? And the Jewish leaders are going, what authority does he have? He's this strange guy that just shows up. He's forgiving people. Um, and so that's why Jesus was looked at as pretty weird at the beginning. Um, and, uh, but it does, but it initiates this uh, new worldview, right, of, of, of forgiveness. God, Jesus comes in and says, I, as God, am offended by all sins, and only I, as God, have the authority to forgive them once and for all. And then he passes that authority or allows us to share within that, um, that uh, landscape, if you will, of, of forgiveness. We're all part of it at this point if we're in Christ. And it's, uh, it's amazing. So the cross is up here because as Josh and I meet and we hold each other accountable to things, uh, we confess things, is it would be very uh, non-meaningful, okay, if it was Josh and I. And uh, I say to Josh, hey Josh, I, dude, I yell at my kids, and I was a jerk. And then Josh says to me, I forgive you. That's weird. I'd be like, oh, thanks. Yeah, we probably wouldn't meet every Friday. So but what happens is, it's a real simple thing that happens, actually, is, is this happens. And so, as Josh and I meet, uh, what happens is that the, that the Holy Spirit is there among us. The Spirit of Christ is among us. And so when Josh says to me, uh, he destroyed somebody else's car on purpose. So I was angry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, just, I'm nervous. I just made stuff up. <laughs> After we call Paula, police report. We have Yeah, I lost my temper. Yeah, I lost my temper. And I say, and so Josh may have been dealing. Maybe Josh is dealing with this with with God, and he feels like. I just still feel like I've, I've gone to God, I've asked for forgiveness, but I just still feel like a scum. You know, and what I can say to God, to Josh, is I can sit with him, and because the Holy Spirit of Christ is in the room, is in between us, I can say, Josh, you know, you're forgiven of your sins. Like, because Jesus, like, you are forgiven. And you can be made whole. And so here's what this is. There's, if we take this out of the middle, I'm just trying to forgive him on my own. And that may make him feel maybe better, but when we go through the cross and we say, you are forgiven in the name of Jesus, that that means that the sins are, are separate as far as the east is from the west. And there can be a redemption process that begins in his life as we walk together. We talk about community here a lot. This is what community is. Yeah. We talk about the principle of being known by somebody and knowing somebody. Not knowing everybody and being known by everybody. Being known by somebody. 
How scary would that be? And how tight would your schedule be if you met with everybody here and confessed every sin? Do you have time for that? I do not. But I can be known by somebody. And so what does it mean? Oh, we're a royal priesthood. It means, look, my job as one of the pastors here is this, to equip the saints for the works of ministry. That means that you get to do the works of ministry. Yeah. And so that's what we get to do. And so I would encourage you, as you sit with people, you're not forgiving them. You're reminding them that they're forgiven. That's right. You're reminding me that they're, you're reminding them that they can be made whole, and then Josh can do the same, and it's reciprocal. But we always have Jesus. That we are, are he's, Jesus, there's a third in the room. Add to you know the uh, we we do get the sense that sometimes it's up to us and sometimes that passage has been misconstrued and that some people have been given the authority to forgive um, and I know there are, there are some in here with, with from Catholic traditions you know where the where the priest performs the sacrament of of confession right you confess to a priest um, and that priest uh, forgives you or um, uh, you know, you confess, you repent, and then you're, you're usually given some kind of penance or something to do. Um, but what I would, a better, perhaps, picture I would like to present to you guys would be, um, you know, if you go in for a, a knee replacement, right, there are, there's the physician who replaces your knee. Kevin's got that <laughs> Just have There's the physician that replaces your knee, but then... There's the, the physical therapist and those that come alongside you after the replacement, right? And help you walk in fulfillment, like literally walk in your recovery of that. And so, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, the forgiveness, the thing that God can actually do, that actually, he actually extends that forgiveness is the knee replacement, right? He's a physician that comes in and he restores you. But then this, if I go to Andy and confess something, Jesus has forgiven me already, but when I go to Andy, Andy affirms that forgiveness. He walks with me in my restoration, right? And uh, and that's what community is. You know, we're not the, we're not the physician through the knee replacement. We're the ones that lead people to the physician and then walk with them afterwards. And that, it can be a daily thing, uh, but something to definitely keep in mind. That's why community is so so stinking important. And that's one of the reasons that we come to the table every week. And it's this, that we come and we realize where our forgiveness is, where our wholeness is. It's found in Christ. And we always want to concentrate on that. And, you know, I'm not becoming a better person on my own. I'm becoming a better person with Christ in me. Amen. I'm not struggling on my own. I am struggling and Christ is in me. See, this is when we get, I think this is when we get a better idea. And we're not shocked when people come to us with stuff. That's right. It's lower. You know, we can we can look in the mirror. We can say, who am I? Okay? To judge you? I'm not. And so, um, yeah. So that is uh, one more thing, too. Just real, real fast. Sorry. Okay. I got this. I know. <laughs> 
Love the meeting in your office afterwards. Uh, the uh, two things I think that definitely get in the way of this. So as you, you know, hopefully we'll all start putting this in practice a little bit more, becoming aware of confessing to each other. But there are a couple of things that can be get in the way, and one is our culture, right? If we're Americans, we've been taught that this rugged individualism, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, do it on your own. And I'm not saying that that's always bad. I think that's it's gotten us a long way in this country. But spiritually, that's bad news, right? And so uh, don't be afraid to admit that you can't do it on your own and that you need to be in community. And the second thing is just our, um, you know, our religious tradition, too. Uh, as Protestants, we're very individual, right? We read the Bible on our own. We pray to God on our own. Uh, we don't have to have priests interceding for us. Um, and so there is the sense that everything we need, we can take care of by ourselves in our prayer closet. Just me and Jesus, and everything's going to be fine. But that's not the way that Jesus set it up. Right? That's not that's not the model. And so uh, maybe breaking out of that mold and opening up <coughs> and being more vulnerable to people that we trust uh, would be a good exercise. So I would, as we end uh, today, what I would love to do, and please don't be nervous. No, I'm not going to have you turn to your neighbor and tell us all of your stuff. Because yeah. uh, we played, we played through that, and uh, the, our drummer uh, Steve said, "Can you imagine some of it? Hey, um, there's a body in my trunk." And then we were, we're, just, we're just in an awkward situation, and so then you're like, "I'm going to take the teaching literally. You're forgiven." <laughs> and <laughs> and see. Um, and so what I would like to do is just take a couple minutes if we could um, and really think about the things in your life that you are withholding from God. That you're saying, you know, I can do this. Um, and, and, and trying to control things on our own, I just that's sin. We're trying, to have, we're trying to play the role of God. And so what I'd love to do is spend a minute where we just open our hearts to God. All right? And I think that's the first step. And, and if you're here in this room and you're saying, you know what, I've never actually said those words. Like, I surrender my life to God. I don't even understand this. But that's you, and you want to do that this morning. I would just say this in this moment. If you would just... Stan, if you say, if you say, yeah, I want to give my life for the first time, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. And if you would do that this morning, if you want to stand. And so I just want to say this, there's no one standing. So I'm going to talk to the empty chair. Let's fill these chairs with people who don't know Jesus. That one day we can see people stand and give their life to Christ. That we can celebrate with them. And let's do that all together. And you know, you know, we've talked a lot about community, and I just, you know, I'm not telling you what to do with like the other 365, but it would give us something that's in common. We have our practices of worship that are in common on Sunday morning. I wonder if we could extend it a little bit more and be in common um, through that practice. And so that's why I encourage you uh, to do that, is so that we can walk in a sense of community that's real. And so in this moment, what I would do is just uh, for one minute, I 
I'd love for us to just uh, open our hearts to God, confess the things that are uh, where we have fallen short. Right? And so we're just going to take a minute of silence and we're going to do that uh, right now. Father, we love you, creator of all things. Jesus, you are worthy, and thank you for your life that was given for us, and Holy Spirit, as you empower us to be loved. We praise you, God, that you forgive us as we come to you and confess our sins, and you forgive us, and then you place us with of believers that we could confess to one another and then be made whole. And so, God, I pray that that would not be a foreign concept to this body, to us as individuals and us as a community of believers, that we could be known by someone, that we could know somebody, God, that we do not have to walk around with guilt and condemnation, but you have come to free us from so as we come this morning in an attitude of confession to you, and we say, God, would you take the things that we are trying to control, the things that we're putting before you, and would you forgive that? Could we turn away from that way and turn towards the way that follows you with our whole life, not holding anything back, and when we do, and we have someone to confess that to that is holding us not to the fire, but to the reality of you being the king of kings. That you are big enough for anything that we can bring to you. As we leave here today, God, may we leave on a mission to be known by you, that others might know you. 